This is Ham College, Episode 19 for July 31st, 2016. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. There's still plenty of time to enjoy the summer shine. Get out there and get on the air. And by hamstudy.org, a great place to study for your amateur license exam. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And this is number 19. Wow, man. Time's flying. We'll be at two years before you know it. If your math's right, I think we will be. Yeah. It's one a month. Yeah. What are you wearing Pretty there tonight? Hard to, I've got my T-shirt on for my old alma mater. This is where I went to school before I graduated and moved up to Ham College. Okay. This is where I went to school right yeah, here. Radio yeah. Shack. Yeah. <laughs> probably learned about the same thing. Very, probably you were probably so. in that one a lot longer than I was in this one. I probably was. Yeah. No, I studied uh, electronics in college, but you know I learned an awful lot from Radio Shack too. Probably yeah. just almost uh, yeah. as much. Yeah, I, I picked this up when we were on vacation. Ah, okay. It's a nice conversation piece. So it's uh, winding toward the end of the summertime here, and uh, we've, we've been hearing from a lot of folks who have gotten their tickets recently and a, a lot of folks who've upgraded as well. Yeah, yeah a lot of people planning on upgrading yep. in the near future. I just saw where uh, one fellow said he was going to buy himself a 7300 so he'd have a, a motivation to upgrade uh, extra. Good good motivation. I, I think he's on to something there. Yeah. It would be a shame. Well, I know somebody who did that. Yeah, not a seventy three hundred, seven thousand. Oh yeah, yeah. You know him too. Yeah, but he just hasn't quite done it yet. I don't think he's quite upgraded yet. But uh, when he does, it'd be like having a whole new radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may be. Yeah. I think he loaned it to one of his buddies at all. No, he got it back. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah, he got it back. I was gonna say if he didn't get it back, it may be worn out before he gets to use it. Yep. It could be, yeah. Well, you know, anytime we're doing a show, we've got a chat room going at the same time, and there's a a good group of folks over there right now, and they're just, I don't even know what they're talking about tonight. It's no telling. And it's not even night yet. It's afternoon. Yeah, we're actually shooting this one during the daytime. Yeah, a little early, 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, uh, Central Time. But Yeah. Uh, that's the way it worked out this time around. Last... Uh, Best availability for both of our schedules then. Well, last time we had a show, what did we talk about? Do you even remember now? Uh, We talked about uh, multi-mode transceivers, I believe. That we did. Similar to that one. Yeah. That's multi-mode. Yeah, that's the the IC7300, of course, but we talked about multi-modes in general. Sure, yeah. Um, Anyway... We didn't get all the way through that. We've got a little more to go on uh, on multi-mode transceivers, so we're going to do that tonight. Yeah, it's a pretty big topic. Pretty well, big a topic. A lot, lot of different things with all those different modes to, to it consider. It is. 
It is. And uh, rather than do a, um, a presentation here at the front of the show on some topic, we're going to do the questions and do a little presentation after a few of the questions just to kind of firm up that, that particular area. Yeah, that so there will be multiple presentations this time. That's a good way to put it, Tommy. That sounds impressive. Sounds sounds a lot more. You're getting that much more for your money. Yeah. We might as well get started with the first question. Okay. And uh, I'll, well, I'll read the first one here. Which is a good reason to use a regulated power supply for communications equipment? A, it prevents voltage fluctuations from reaching sensitive circuits. B, a regulated power supply has FCC approval. C, a fuse or circuit breaker regulates the power. Or D, power consumption is independent of load. Boy, that thought, you know, I hadn't really read over this one before we uh, got to here tonight, but uh, yeah, what do you think? Well, it's not going to be D, power consumption is independent of load. Why would that mm-hmm. be? That, that that's not going to matter. Fuser circuit breaker regulates the power. That's that's, that's not, not true. true. That's not mm-hmm. a true statement. Uh, regulated power supply has FCC approval. I Probably don't think, not. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they don't care about that. Well, unless it unless they were noisy causing yeah. interference, but still. So I'm going with A. It prevents voltage fluctuations from reaching sensitive circuits. And out of the choices that we're given there. I'm going to go with you, Tommy. I'm going to say A. Most of them in the chat room are are saying A. We did have one D in there. But let's see. What is the correct answer? And it is A. All right. There you go. Um, I tell you what. I've got an oscilloscope sitting here, and we just happen to have... not scared to use it. And I'm not scared to use it, no. Well, let's do it then. This is a homemade power supply that uh, I built on Ham Nation. I don't remember when, a good while back. It's just, uh, you know, got a little transformer in it, bridge, rectifier, a little regulator circuit in there. And we're going to use it for just simulating a uh, unregulated and then looking at a regulated power supply. Okay. So I remember when you built that. Yeah, I've got the sensitivity on the scope here turned up pretty high because you can see it's picking yeah. up noise out of the air. Yeah, when you're I, pretty noisy, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that was your yeah. hand on there because couldn't, they couldn't see. But. And I've got the coupling on the scope set for AC, so we're not going to see the DC coming out of the scope. We're only going to see AC, which uh, this is a DC power supply, so we, we don't really want to see any AC coming out of it. Right. But let's uh, take a measurement over here at the point in the... Uh, Supply here right before it goes to the regulator for an unregulated supply. Like a sawtooth. That's, yeah, that's kind of nasty there. That's, um, yeah. you know, a multiple of 60 cycles there. Uh, it's ugly. You know, on a DC power supply, you just want a straight line there as far as... Right, so I was hoping you were going to say that for the people that... Uh, yeah. Technician, technician uh, tests, so it's going to be pretty... Some yeah. Be familiar, but. So, it, 
This is an advantage of a regulated power supply. Well, no, this is a disadvantage of an unregulated one. We've not only got our DC on here, but we've got all this nasty AC. We call it ripple mm -hmm. on there as well. Also, if we put a load on this supply, it's probably going to shift the voltage that's coming out of it. A regulated power supply is going to hold that voltage more regulated so it doesn't fluctuate as you uh, say, as you flip between transmit and receive. Plus, it's going to be a cleaner signal coming out of there. Let's measure up here where the regulation has actually taken place. Oh, and it, there, that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. You can see a little bit of noise there. Yeah, a little bit of ripple, but yeah. uh, nothing like what you had before on the other side. Of the no, region. there's a, a little difference between those two. So back to the uh, before it's regulated again. Got that nasty soft tooth there. So if you got this noise going into your radio, there's a chance that you're going to hear some AC component in your receiver, and you're going to hear some, um, you know, in your transmitted signal possibly too. So a good regulated power supply is, um, th that's the way to go. Right. All right, Tommy. So, uh, well, that you're, was interesting. Yep. You're one of one now. Let's move on to the next one here and see how I'm going to do tonight. All right. Which of the following is true concerning the microphone connectors on amateur transceivers? A. All transceivers use the same microphone connector type. B. Some connectors include push-to-talk and voltages for powering the microphone. C. All transceivers using the same connector type are wired identically. Or D. Unkeyed connectors allow any microphone to be connected. Ooh. Wow, I see several false ones there. Yeah, I see Yeah, several that are definitely not right. We'll start at the bottom there. Uh, D, unkeyed connectors allow any microphone to be connected. No, that, that could be very dangerous. And all the microphone connectors I know of are keyed in one way or another. Typically, when we're talking about a, a microphone connector, this is one here that's been used for years and years. This is what they call a Foster-style mic yeah. connector. And you put something behind it. There you go. You can see it's got a key in there, so it can only be fitted into the socket one way. Yeah, so by key, you mean there's a notch in there's there a notch that in will there. only go in. Yeah. This is an 8-pin one here, although some radios may have a 4 or 5 or, mm -hmm. or others. But 8-pin is the most typical. Um, a lot of HF radios still use this type of connector. Uh, most dual-band radios nowadays, though, are, are not using this type. I actually like those. They're, I like they're easy these to too. work on. You don't have to have a special tool other right. than soldering iron with a fine tip. And you plug that in the radio and you screw that down, that microphone's not coming out. Right. Well, that's what, a nice one too. It's got a nice wire. This this on is it. one of the Howell uh microphone connectors oh, yeah? here. It's got a bigger ring here. Yeah. A lot so of them are so to, small you can't hardly get yeah. your fingers on it. And there's an extra hole there so that you could run audio into it and then a separate lead for your push to talk if you're oh, that's cool. you know, you're not using the mic with the push to talk belt in it. Uh, here's here's another typical one here. This is a piece of Cat5 cable though. It's um, you know just a regular RJ45 connector 
it's keyed, of course. There's only one way that it can fit into the radio. So uh, a lot of, uh, well, most all VHF, UHF, dual band type radios use this type of connector now. And uh, a lot of mobile HFs use yeah. this type of connector. Yeah, you know what I like about this one? You can go get a real cheap coupler, and this makes a really nice microphone extender, extension cable. Yeah, it might pick up a little noise, you don't think? It's, I'm using it in my truck right now. Oh, you are? Okay. You've been, you've been talking through Cat5 cable to me for the last couple of years. Cheater. Yeah, that's me. I, I didn't even know that. but uh, Didn't know I was a cheater or you didn't know I was talking through Cat5 cable? I didn't know you were talking through Cat5 cable. <laughs> oh, you knew I was a cheater, huh? <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that. No, I'm not either. <laughs> but anyway, these are, are cheap. They're fairly easy to replace if you know how to do it and you got a crimping tool. For you're not them. colorblind. Yep, but they're what you're going to see on an awful lot of radios today. Mm-hmm. But back to answering that question, I kind of you see how what I did there. Yeah, I kind of skated the, the issue. Yeah. So uh, all all the microphone connectors are keyed. Even if it was unkeyed, you wouldn't want to twist it and plug it in there because you'll be hooking up the wrong things. To the wrong pin. Yeah, that's asking for trouble. C, all transceivers using the same connector type are wired identically. No, they're definitely that's not. definitely not true. They could be the same, but um, between uh, different manufacturers, they're usually And it would be different. nice if they were the same. Yeah. But, but they're not. Yeah. An awful lot of them use these same two type of connectors, but they're, they're, they're wired differently on different manufacturers could even be different between different models from a single manufacturer. Right. So it's not C. Uh, B, some connectors include push-to-talk and voltages for powering the microphone. I'm going to say that's it because, um, you know, all your your handheld mics with the push-to-talk button, uh, there's voltage that goes up to those mics because most of them are have an electric condenser element in it, mm-hmm. and there's also a push to talk on the microphone. So there's got to be, you know, a wire going in there to, for the push to talk. I'm going to say that's it. It's going to be B. But let's look at A. All transceivers use the same microphone connector type. Well, well we well, just kind of ruled yeah, that out. We showed you at least two. Yeah, here and there's you know. Mm-hmm. There's probably more types than that, but those are the two most common. Everybody in the chat room saying B, Tommy, so I feel like I'm in good company there. I think you may have nailed this one. There you go, B. There you go. All right, so far so good. Let's go on to another one here, and uh, boy, I've got a a demonstration I know that you're just going to love on this one right here. Let's look at the question first, though. What is the name of a circuit that generates a signal of a desired frequency? A, a reactance modulator. B, product detector. C, a low-pass filter. Or D, oscillator. Okay, let's start at the top this time. I think I know the answer to this one because I've had a little experience with this before. I'm going to give you a little more experience with (laughs) it in just a minute here. I'm sure you will. Reactance modulator, I don't know what that even is. Product detector, um, that's, that's a, I don't know what a product detector is, but detector is not a generator. 
yeah. low pass filter. A filter is not a generator, but I do know an oscillator is uh, it generates a frequency. So generates I actually signal. have an yep. audio oscillator at home that I've used for some for some testing and things. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you, and that's what everybody else in the chat room you already, is You already, I already with me did. A long I kind of beat you to the punch on yeah. that one, I guess. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's an oscillator. And I've got a little demonstration of an oscillator here just for you. I know how much you enjoyed this when I was testing it earlier. Mm -hmm. So, an oscillator. We're going to show you a very simple way to demonstrate an oscillator. What an oscillator is is for some cotton. Yeah, <laughs> is something that generates a signal at a particular frequency, generally, and it. Almost all of them do it, and in fact, I think all of them I know of. It's like an amplifier, and the output of that amplifier has a little bit of its signal fed back to the input of the amplifier. So it's like the amplifier is just chasing its tail. The output is feeding back to the input. It must be painful. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you're onto something there. So we can demonstrate that. Here I've got just a little speaker and a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> you're flinching. Yeah. If I put this speaker or the microphone in front of the speaker... Some of the signal coming out of the speaker is going to go back into the microphone. Not enough of it. There you oh, go. Wow. Feedback. That's an oscillator. That's oscillation. Dogs are howling for miles. <laughs> yeah. I know two of them are sitting right here at the table. Yeah. But um, that that's a simple example of an oscillator. By sticking that, and I've turned it off now. By, by sticking the microphone in front of the speaker, I'm causing some of the output to be fed back into the input. And generally, you tune that circuit of, of the feedback network there, and that tunes the oscillator. What kind of microphone connectors that you got? This is a, a universal <laughs> one here. That's pretty It's called outer gallery clips. Yeah, I didn't know that it would fit, but uh, it just happened to work just fine. Yeah. Yeah. That was handy. That was handy. Painful, too. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what it is about that frequency of that, but that's like, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. I don't, it's like sticking a pencil through your ear or something. Yeah, it's bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> okay, well, let's go on to the next question here. I think, I think you're reading this one. Yeah. Which of the following types of emission has the narrowest bandwidth? A, FM voice. B, SSB voice. C, CW. Or D, slow scan TV. I think we kind of covered this last. Yeah, I was going to say. I, it seems familiar. Yeah. Uh, well, which of the following types of emission has the narrowest bandwidth? Well, I know voice, FM voice can be different bandwidths, but any voice is going to take a little bandwidth to transmit it mm -hmm. because you've got different frequencies in that voice at, at, in different amplitudes. Uh, slow scan TV, that's going to take a little bandwidth 
uh, because you're sending out There's some data in there. Yeah, data, multiple frequencies, so that's going to take a little bandwidth. But CW, you know, that only takes a carrier, really. Basically, it sounds like that microphone test you just did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, not, not quite that, quite bad. that bad. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to say it's CW, Tommy, since I know that's nothing but a carrier. You know, that that's going to be um, the narrowest bandwidth. Yeah, I would concur with that. And that's what they're saying over in the chat room there. I think everybody got this one, so... Yep, CW. Awesome. Okay. Well, we've got more to go here, but before we do and uh, give our ears just a little chance to recover, why don't we uh, take a quick break here, get a message from a sponsor, come back and give away something. Okay. And then get back into the question. Sounds like a plan. Summertime fun. Get out there and get on the air. There's still plenty of time to enjoy the summer shine. Camping, road trips, hiking, and more. Wherever your adventure takes you this summer, make sure you bring your ICOM equipment along for the fun. On the go this summer, ICOM's new IC7300 is perfect for your next road trip. Revolutionary design and compact size, the real HF fun starts here. RF direct sampling. 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, SD card memory slot, and more. Why not communicate with the touch of your fingertips? Perfect for small spaces, the IC7100 is the ideal D-Star option for all outdoor seekers. Angle control head and touchscreen for quick, intuitive operation, large internal speaker for clear digital audio, and it's perfect for multiband and all-mode communications. Don't leave home without this mobile device. The ID5100A is a must-have for summertime travel, intuitive touchscreen operation, dual receivers with GPS, DV dual watch, Bluetooth option, and headset option. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. So some lucky winner is going to get a nice ICOM cap and a nice ICOM. Somebody's been folding the shirt up because it wasn't this neat when I got finished with it last month. It was you. Did I fold it up like that? Yeah. I didn't even know I could do that. But anyway, you're going to get a nice ICOM Ham Crew t-shirt. Look good at the Ham Fest. Ham College at AmateurLogic.tv. All you got to do is... Uh you know, give us your name and your call sign. You can put a comment in there if you want to. Uh, if you don't have a call sign, that's fine. This show mm-hmm. is for people that may not have call signs Absolutely. yet. Absolutely. All you got to have is a name, basically. And pretty much everybody's got one of I those for the most part. For the most part. It doesn't cost you anything. You can win a nice T-shirt and a cap. Yep. Somebody's going to win it. Yep, absolutely. And this month, that person is going to be... Doyle, he says, Hi guys, I've been watching your episodes up to 12 now. No, up to 17 right now. As a learning tool to get my technician license. I'm uh, taking the test on August the 6th. I have enjoyed watching you too, and you've helped me considerably. Keep up the good work. Please enroll me in your sweater and hat contest. 
as I am practically naked and need them. Well, here we let's take care of that right now, yeah. Doyle. So uh, yeah, it's not a sweater; it's a it's a t-shirt, a t-shirt. Though, and that's yeah. better than being naked for sure. Yeah, but it's a good heavy t-shirt. Yeah, so. it is. It yeah. actually really it actually really is a nice heavy shirt. Yeah, it's a good one. So anyway, congratulations, Doyle. Yeah, you know. you're you're going to be uh, uh, perfectly outfitted here. Yeah. I don't know if they'll have this to you by the time you uh, take your test. I would say from head to toe, but from head to waist anyway. Yeah. So uh, Below that, I don't know, you'll have to you're come on, up with something else. You're on your own there. <laughs> so. Yeah, oh, con- awesome. congratulations. He he doesn't happen to be over in the chat room, does he? No, I don't see a doll in there, but uh, uh, maybe he'll get a chance to watch this before he goes and takes his test. Anyway, good luck on the exam. We hope you do well on yeah, it. So I see a, a comment in the chat room from John says, "Wow, somebody finally not licensed, or finally someone not licensed." But we actually get a lot of emails from people that we do. that aren't licensed or have just gotten their license um, yeah. after watching the show and you know kind of getting mm-hmm. some encouragement. So anyway, so we do have a lot of people that watch yeah. that that aren't already ticketed. So good luck, Doyle. When you get out of there, pass that exam. You'll probably have these before you get your your uh, call I would, I would think probably so so uh you'll be dressed fine for the next time for yep, sure absolutely congratulations congratulations ready for the next one let's do it and who is going to read this one i guess uh, uh i guess i'm going to read this one okay what is the approximate maximum bandwidth required to transmit a cw signal it's a 2.4 kilohertz b 150 hertz C, 1,000 hertz. Or D, 15 kilohertz. And this one's mine, so I'll just, I'm going to go from the bottom to the top this time. It's just kind of random which, one I, which direction I go. Mm-hmm. No method to the madness. But 15 kilohertz is mighty wide for a CW signal, so I'm going to rule <laughs> yeah. that one out. Yep. Uh, 1,000 hertz, that's 1 kilohertz. That's kind of wide for a CW signal, too. Now, 150 hertz, that's the narrowest one up there, and that's probably the answer because, A, 2.4 kilohertz is too wide also. So by process of elimination, I'm going to go with Bravo, 150 hertz. Well, you're in good company because that's what everyone's saying over in the chat there. And you're correct. If you think about that, that is extremely narrow. It is, but you know, basically, all you got is a carrier. Yeah. Oh, I understand. Mm-hmm. It's, it is, but if you, if if nobody, if everybody did nothing but CW, think how many you could go have going at one time. You could have a lot. The, the two point four kilohertz that would be typical for a single sideband. Uh-huh. So. Uh, one kilohertz be a little narrow for single side band. Fifteen kilohertz, that's how, that's the bandwidth. Now, I'm just talking about audio bandwidth, not the transmit bandwidth. But uh, an FM radio station has fifteen kilohertz of audio bandwidth. Oh, it actually on takes up. No, it, it that's just audio bandwidth, not trans. It's actually a lot more than that transmit bandwidth, but. Uh, the widest a human ear could hear is 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. And 15 kilohertz is almost, you know, that wide. And you think about CW, that's just one little blip. Just a slice. Along the, 
Yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, so what's the uh, not to put you on the spot here, but what's the bandwidth for um, AM? For AM, like on a, yeah, like uh, an AM show. station is confined within ten kilohertz. Usually, they're rolling off the audio before that, so that would be your your carrier frequency. And then you've got sidebands that stretch out 10 kilohertz on either side. Okay, next one. Um, which of the following is an appropriate receive filter bandwidth to select in order to minimize noise and interference for CW reception? A, 500 hertz. Yeah, I paused. <laughs> B, 1,000 hertz. C, 2,400 hertz. Or D, 5,000 hertz. Well, which of the following is appropriate receive filter bandwidth to select in order to minimize noise and interference for CW reception? Well, the narrower we make a filter, the less we're going to hear. So if we want to cut out the noise that's on either sideband, and we, we just talked about that uh, CW bandwidth is only 150 hertz, well, we'll pick the, the narrowest one we've got here. 500 hertz would be plenty wide enough to copy a CW mm-hmm. signal. So, Oh, yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. That's what uh, everyone else is saying, too. Mike says he likes 600 hertz. Mike, that wasn't one of... Your choices. So, hey, 500 hertz. Maybe it's 600 hertz. Maybe that's a metric or something they use up in in Canada. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Actually, I would probably go less than 500 hertz. I don't, you know, I don't know that you'd even need that. But isn't 500 hertz still a bit edgy? Uh, it, it might be uh, kind of ragged, but all you really need to hear is the dots and dashes. Mm-hmm. What is the advantage of having multiple received bandwidth choices on a multi-mode transceiver? A, it permits monitoring several modes at once. B, permits noise or interference reduction by selecting a bandwidth matching the mode. C, increases the number of frequencies that can be stored in memory. D, increases the amount of offset between receive and transmit frequencies. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, scratch off D and C right off the bat. Increases the amount of offset between receive and transmit frequencies. And it probably does, but that's not an advantage. No, I don't. I don't think it even does. Increases the number of frequencies that can be stored in memory. That's not totally unrelated. <laughs> yeah. B, permits noise or interference reduction by selecting a bandwidth matching the mode. Well, I think I think that's the answer because that goes right along with what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Or A, permits monitoring several modes at once. Well, <laughs> well yeah, if it's too bad, if it's too <laughs> wide, you probably are going to monitor several modes at once, but that's definitely not an advantage, no. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That would be a disadvantage, yeah, I would say. So it's got to be B. Okay, that's what everybody's saying. And it is B. 
permits noise or interference reduction mm -hmm. by selecting a bandwidth matching the mode. Right. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense. If you're on CW, you want to mm -hmm. set your bandwidth narrow because you don't really need to hear out all that width, all that mm -hmm. wide. So you just want to pick the one that's appropriate for mm -hmm. whatever mode you're on. If you're listening to sideband, you still might want several bandwidths, so, mm -hmm. and, you, and you got it on a lot of radios. Mm -hmm. uh, that way, you know, the wider you listen, if there's no interference, the more um, natural that voice is going to sound. Right. Because you're passing, you know, the voice along with a lot of the harmonics and such, and the voice just sounds more realistic. But if you've got noise on your sides, narrowing up that bandwidth, you know, is really uh yeah, really those, those, I think we may have shown that on the filtering when we had the 7300 up here last month, maybe. The mm -hmm. the three different preset filters. Didn't, didn't we demonstrate those? I'm pretty sure we did. I think we, we did. did, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you can go back and look at that and I think if you have uh, any questions mm -hmm. about it. But it's it's a handy feature to have. Oh, it is, yeah. All right. Which term describes the ability of a receiver to detect the presence of a signal? A, linearity. B, sensitivity. C, selectivity. Or D, total harmonic distortion. Let me read that question again because I wasn't paying attention. D sounds like the name of a band. Yeah, there is such a total harmonic distortion. as a, Is it? Yeah, THD. I've never heard of it, but mm -hmm. it just seems like a good one. So. Well, it would, it would be a good band name. We'll, we better write that one down so we can get the band back together. We, yeah. Which term describes the ability of a receiver to detect the presence of a signal? Total harmonic distortion, that's a measurement of distortion of a harmonic nature. No. Yeah, in a signal. So, <laughs> no. Uh, C, selectivity. Selectivity would be a measurement of how selective a receiver is. In other words, picking out the signal that you want to listen to, selecting just that signal. So it's not that. A, linearity. No, that's like, like this. I don't know what else to say about it, <laughs> what, the, what they're trying to get out here. But the answer is sensitivity. Uh, the ability of a receiver to detect the presence of a signal is sensitivity. Some radios are more sensitive or, or have a, a better sensitivity than others. That that they are, for sure. Yeah, I've, you, I've seen that. You, you've actually experienced that. Yeah, yeah when, I, mm -hmm. when I put that 2820 in my truck, but before I had a different radio in there, and I, I talked to Jimmy, used to be on with us every mm -hmm. single day on the way to work for, for several years, and I could hear him when I got about three or four miles from my house, a certain spot on I-55 over there, mm -hmm. before I could start hearing him. And when I changed that radio out and put the other one in there, I could hear him from my driveway. It was weak, but I could still hear him. Yeah. And there's no way I could have done it before. Same yeah. antenna, same coax, same power cable, everything. The only the transceiver was different. Hmm. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely different. Sensitivity, that's, everybody got that one. All right. Although I think Mike, Mike said it was C. Hmm. 
Now this, this is an interesting sight to me. It's probably not going to mean much to the people on the, on the, on the uh, watching, but everybody's really into the questions today because generally this thing is full. This thing is generally full of all kind of chat going on, and there's nothing but a long list of alphabets down there where people mm -hmm. have been answering those questions t mm -hmm. tonight. So, must be a good question pool this evening. Either that, or they've all learned their ABCs. Yeah, I guess so. One or the other. Okay. Well, tell you what, let's uh, let's take another little break here because we've got another message we want to present. And along with that is one of our uh, favorite ham college traditions. Awesome. And these will be some oldies but goodies. Time to go to the snack bar? You will recognize these. Let me say that. No, we're not going to the snack bar tonight. Okay. This is going to be a little different. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbean, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org, powered by ICOM, for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. First she squeezes the tomatoes, then she squeezes the melon, and now she's squeezing the new Charmin bathroom tissue. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. But Mr. Whipple, this new Charmin bathroom tissue is soft, so squeezably soft. Oh, that soft fragrance. Mrs. Logan. Charmin is so deep down, squeezably soft, it's irresistible. But Mrs. Logan, the sign. <laughs> oh, if you only knew, Mrs. Logan, can't resist it myself. I love to sneak a squeeze on the slide. Mr. Whipple, please don't squeeze the Charmin. New squeezably soft Charmin bathroom tissue from Procter & Gamble. Take it home and squeeze it. Creepy crawlers, creepy crawlers, creepy crawlers. Creepy crawlers are so much fun. Playing gags on everyone. All you need to make a bug is a thing maker set and electric plug. Pour plastic goop right in the mold. Then trade them, sell them, good as gold. You can tell they're Mattel. They're creepy crawlers, creepy crawlers, creepy crawlers. Surprise me, Joe. Get a little in your mouth. Your poor wife. How does she do it? Maybe with a dish rag. Oh, that's very funny. But she needs bounty. 
It's the quick picker upper. Look. Bounty here, mild brand here. In they go. You see? Bounty absorbs more liquid faster. Strong, too. Rosie, the missus a love bounty. Sure, it's the quick picker upper. And for uh, you who maybe were too young to remember those commercials, uh, the magic of television was um, was a lot different than the magic we got today. Yeah. <laughs> the qual the quality was terrible. Yeah, not quite as bad as these recordings, but yeah. you know, pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Well, I think we've got a few more questions here, Tommy. Which term describes the ability of a receiver? To discriminate between multiple signals. A, discrimination ratio. B, sensitivity. C, selectivity. Or D, harmonic distortion. Hmm. Okay, this one's mine. Yep. Went, this one should have been yours. Um, discriminate between multiple signals. That means that you can actually comprehend... My understanding would be that you can actually comprehend one from the other. Mm-hmm. So harmonic distortion is not going to be it. And I don't think discrimination ratio. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So it's going to be sensitivity or selectivity. And we just did sensitivity a few moments ago. So it's going to be selectivity. And, th- and that makes sense to me anyway because mm-hmm. selectivity is like, Select, yep. selecting something, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, sort of like selecting something. Yeah, yeah. so I'm going. I'm sw- that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Let's just call it that. Well, Charlie, selectivity. That's that's kind of what everybody's saying over there in the chat room. So, um, do you squeak by on that one, Tommy? Ralph and Mike have their hands up. Yeah, and Marty. Yeah. Oh, show of hands. Never mind. False alarm. Show of hands who went to a drive-in to watch a movie. Never okay. mind. They're having an impromptu poll. They're having a social. They're having an impromptu event. poll there in the yeah. chat room. Okay. So. All right. Well, we got another one here. Okay. Which of the following is used to convert a radio signal from one frequency to another? A, phase splitter. B, a mixer. C, inverter. Or D, an amplifier. Oh, this is my question, I'm glad too. this one's yours, too. Well, I think I know the answer, but this one I'm not quite sure of why. Which of the following is used to convert a radio signal from one frequency to another? A phase splitter. No, that's that wouldn't be it. I think that would be something that splits a signal into two halves, but that's not converting a frequency. D, an amplifier. No, an amplifier just amplifies a signal, doesn't change the frequency of it. C, an inverter would just invert a signal, but I think it would still be the same frequency. So B, a mixer. That's going to be your answer, Tommy. And okay. we'll just check it before I, I kind of talk about okay, what that I, is. Well, that's what I thought the answer was, but I don't know why that's the answer. Okay. So that's what I'd like to, to know. All right. They're, they're saying B over there, and I must be right. And I am. 
And what a mixer is, and the way we use it, it's it's used, um, well, as it says there, to convert a radio signal from one frequency to another. You've got a circuit that you feed with two different signals. One, you feed in your, your desired signal, the one you're working with. And then you feed another signal in to that mixer that's on a different frequency. When you mix them together, they beat and cause another frequency or harmonics. Yeah, or actually intermodulation. Well, is that the right word? I'm not sure whether I like intermodulation or harmonics best to describe that. Intermodulation sounds like a dirty word to me, like uh, intermod. Well, it, it kind of is still same, similar, same yeah. But you, you're mixing two different frequencies together, and you're getting out another one. And with filtering and all with that, you know, you can kind of narrow down, uh, you know, what would be actually coming out of it. You're going to have uh, frequencies that, say, if you add the two together, there's going to be a signal at that frequency, then there'll probably be one, you know, at twice that, and then... Three times that. Um, so, anyway. So that's a harmonic, right? Well, harmonics could come out of a mixer. But... Um, this is, that's a little bit of a tricky one right there. Yeah. I probably should have looked up the uh, good term for that, but... Uh, so, I can understand why the other three are not it, so... Yeah. So that's good enough for you? It's good enough to get the right answer when you're taking the test. <laughs> okay. Well, then I got another it's, question. Well, it's not you. really good enough for me, but it's still it work. Is good enough to get a passing grade. Yeah. So. What is the function of automatic gain control, or AGC? Ah. A, to keep received audio relatively constant. B, to protect an antenna from lightning. C, to eliminate RF on the station cabling. Or D, an asymmetric going... <laughs> I'm, yeah. Gonometer? Yeah, to control, control used for antenna matching. Gonometer. Okay. That's not going to be the answer. No, I think they have a cure for it, though. C, eliminate RF on the station cabling. That's has nothing to do with the AGC or gain control. B, protect the antenna from lightning. That has nothing to do with the gain control either. Uh, so the answer is going to be A, to keep received audio relatively constant. And actually, I know what that one is because I use it. So when uh, It's exactly what it says. When people have different uh, levels of mm -hmm. audio, the radio sort of internally adjusts the gain or the, the volume sort of mm -hmm. so everything's semi you know, even pleasant yep. to listen to. I'll go with that. that good enough? I think that's good enough. There you go, to keep the received audio relatively constant. All right. And that's why you use an AGC. And we thought about bringing a radio out tonight and looking at the AGC on it, but we didn't do but that. But we didn't. Um, there's there's a, generally a... On most amateur gear, on HF gear anyway, you may have some variable speeds that you can select for your AGC. Mm -hmm. So you can select a slower AGC or you can speed it up faster. Why would you choose 
different speeds of AGC, Tommy? I guess uh, I'm just guessing here. I, I don't. I have it set. Usually, I just kind of leave it. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that's just the rate in which it's going to compensate for the audio, yeah, so you don't get like a fluttering. Maybe would you get a fluttering if it's now? Um, what you would get is, or, or the reason I change it. Normally, I would like to run kind of a slow AGC. And if it's a fairly constant signal, um, it's more natural to listen to. If you run a fast AGC, the signal is sitting there constantly pumping up and down the volume, and it kind of tires you out, you know, uh, or fatigues you a little bit to listen with a fast AGC. However, if you've got a lot of different signals, a lot of different people that you're talking to and they're coming real close one after another if you've got somebody that's really loud then he might be really loud and he stops transmitting and the next guy may have a really weak signal and you may not hear him for the first few words yeah till it ramps up till the agc ramps up yeah. or particularly uh in the case of say you got lightning static happening then you know, you're listening to a station there, but a lightning crash comes. The AGC clamps down, mm-hmm. and turns it down, and then, you know, it's slow recovering. So you might go to a fast AGC speed, and then uh, it recovers quickly between the different uh, mm-hmm. lightning crashes. I think, uh, well, anybody that's listened to HF much has probably heard that lightning. Yep, oh, definitely. Like that. That's a very, very pronounced. You can hear it pretty easy anytime there's a storm in the area. Yeah, or an AM radio. You know, you, you're going to hear uh, lightning crashes as well. So, but I'm talking about how you can kind of hear sort of a silence right after it. And oh then, yeah, and if, then it comes it, back up. Yeah, or but if you flip it to fast, it comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty quick. It's just kind of tiring to listen to like that mm-hmm. for, for a long time. Where is an RF preamplifier installed? A, between the antenna and receiver. B, at the output of the transmitter's power amplifier. C, between the transmitter and antenna tuner. D, at the receiver's audio output. Where is an RF preamplifier installed? Okay. Keywords there, RF and preamplifier. So if we look at our choices, D, at the receiver's audio output. No, audio and RF are not the same thing, so we can eliminate that one right away. It's not D. C, between a transmitter and antenna tuner? Mm, no. Um, because a preamplifier is, is generally used for receiver uh, amplification. So, B, at the output of a transmitter's power amplifier. No, it's a pre-amplifier. If you put it at the output of an amplifier, it would be a post-amplifier. So, that that can't be it. So, A, between the antenna and receiver. And that's that's the correct answer there because uh, an RF pre-amplifier, when we're talking about it in ham radio... It's going to be to preamplify a, a weak signal that you're trying to receive. What do you think? I think you're right. 
Okay. And looks like, uh, yeah, just about everybody does. So, And uh, Tom even gave the uh, same answer why it wouldn't be B. That would be a post amplifier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Between the antenna and receiver is where you put a, a preamplifier. And so on with the next question here. And I think this is the last one for tonight. Okay. What device takes the output of a low-power 28 megahertz SSB exciter and produces the 222 megahertz output signal? It's A, a high-pass filter. Or B, low-pass filter. C, a transverter. Or D, a phase converter. Okay, here. It's not going to be... a a high-pass or a low-pass filter, because we're not filtering. We're actually changing the, the frequency that's going out over the air. So that's going to leave transverter or phase converter, and a phase converter is not going to be the answer either. Because? Because it's not going to be the answer either. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, because... I don't know what a phase converter does, but I know what the, <laughs> yeah. it's not. Huh? It doesn't change the frequency. It's not going to change the frequency. It's going to be a transverter. I actually, uh, I know Jimmy had a, actually had a transverter before. Yeah. Uh, when he had that old Tentec, I think it was a Tentec he had, and he wanted to get on six meters, so he bought a transverter that goes with it okay. and, uh, and tried using that. Although he didn't have great results with it. He didn't? No. Yeah, it just may not have been anything on six meters. I mean, uh, you know. Well, it, well uh, yeah. Do you want to tell what a phase converter is before <laughs> yeah. we go farther? A phase converter? Oh, well, anyway, the answer is transverter. Yeah. You know, my son used to have some of those transverters when he was young. <laughs> yeah, they made a couple of great, some great movies about them, too. They did, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Phase converter. Um I don't know what they were talking about there. What is a phase converter? Is what is a phase converter? Up? I can tell you what a... Uh, Fictitious piece There's of a gear. thing called a rotary phase converter. Okay. You ever heard of that? Nope. Some uh, broadcast transmitter sites might use those. And where you would use it is the high-power transmitters are, are pretty much all three-phase units. Take mm-hmm. three-phase power to operate them. There might be some remote locations that you can't get three-phase power to. You can only get single-phase power from the electric utility. So they make this uh, big box that's uh, pretty much, it's got a motor in it, and it's got a three-phase generator. And so you run that motor off the single-phase power and it spins and generates three-phase electricity uh, with its well, that doesn't own seem generator. very efficient. It's not efficient worth a flip. But that's, um, you know, that's, that's what some places have to do. Now, on the other hand, it uh, pretty much isolates you totally from the electrical service. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's generating its own electricity there. But no, it's not a... Something you'd want to use unless you absolutely had to. That's, that's interesting. 
But I'm pretty sure that's not what they were talking about. I'm here. pretty sure that's not what they were talking okay, about. Okay, so at all. Let's, I'm going with transverter. Yep. <clears throat> Somebody said rotary phase converter, or Don did. Yep. A dynamotor. Yeah, dynamotor would be uh, similar. All right. Well, Tommy, that cool was stuff. that was all the questions we've got for tonight. So. What do you say we go over and visit in the chat room? Because we've got a All few right. minutes left here. All right. It's been kind of uh, the demo. The demos I thought were kind of good. I'm, I'm hoping the the viewers liked them. But uh, mm -hmm. some of the some of the explanations tonight were were pretty good. Actually, mm -hmm. I enjoyed some them. Work, but some work, but some work. <laughs> but I'm just kind of trying to forget about those. Yeah. Okay. People over in the chat room, what are we going to chat about here for a few minutes? Mike said he's pretty sure Scotty used phase converters on the Enterprise. It probably was hard to get three-phase power. Yeah. Yeah. And you couldn't get it everywhere, yeah. you know, in the universe. Yeah. You had to put, run dilithium crystals. Yep. Serious question. Why do the narrower CW crystal filters tend to cause ringing on the receive signal. No, hmm. oh, gee, Mike, put me on the spot. And that was a serious question, too. I think that might be the first one we've ever had. Yeah. Out of 19 episodes. Could be. Why do they cause ringing? Well, first, I think we need to describe what ringing is. And my partner here is going to explain to you... <laughs> That's when it sounds like a bell. No. No. Okay, I know it is. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never fooled with the crystal filters. Yeah, it's a... Um, let me think of how to describe it. I'm not sure I know the best way to. A crystal filter... You, we know what crystal is. It's a tiny sliver mm -hmm. of crystal. And... They are resonant at a particular frequency, mm -hmm. depending on you know how they thin they are, and mm -hmm. you know uh, several variables like that. But so, if you've got a crystal that you've trimmed down to make resonant, where it uh, amplifies a CW signal or or filters out everything but the signal you're trying to hear, that thing is resonant. So when it hits its particular frequency, boom, the amplitude shoots way up. It's it's the resonance of it, and it kind of self-oscillates. In other words, it's going to want to, you know, vibrate at that frequency as well. Say you got a, uh, a water hose, and this will just kind of describe what ringing is. If you holler in one end of the water hose and you listen at the other end, it'll be later... You know, there'll be some delay in it, but it'll also have a real ringy sound to it or, do you know, or a piece of PVC pipe. Yeah. You know, that that is uh, sort of akin to ringing. It's okay. A, a similar effect there. Is that what you're talking about, Mike? I am not sure if I answered that correctly or not. Yeah, you know, Tom says because it's a very high Q, it tends to self-oscillate. Um, on frequencies are tuned to. And yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, we wanted to mention a couple of things, you know. 
Uh, we haven't mentioned about the shirts lately on no? on Ham College here. You can get nifty Ham College nifty. t-shirts. N- yeah. Nifty? Does that word work? Uh, that's good enough. Okay. Uh, you can get them at amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Of course, you can get Amateur Logic swag there as well, mm-hmm. uh, the t-shirts and hats. I wish we had a picture of the Ham College uh, shirt here. It was custom designed for the show by VE3MIC. Yeah, you know, we need to make something. Uh, I've got quite a few pictures from Dayton and a few of the other ham fests with people wearing the swag around. I need to put something together with that. Yeah. That'd be kind of neat to have. It would be. It would be. So, so quite, a peop- quite a few people wearing them this year. Yeah. Anyway, amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Go check out uh, there for all of your amateurlogic swag. And Ham College. And Ham College swag. We're also on the social media. We are. We're on uh, on Facebook. Google Plus. And uh, on, the, on the Twitters. The, twi- the Twitter sphere. <laughs> yeah. You so. can follow. Who do you follow there? Is it? Uh, well, you follow at Ham College. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, we don't tweet a lot on them, uh, honestly, but uh, we do post... Uh, when, there's going when to we're going to have shows, things mm-hmm. like that. And a few times we'll put some things out. But uh, anyway, we follow at Ham College or at Amateur Logic. Mm-hmm. All right. And join those groups over at uh, Facebook and at Google Plus, too. There's both uh, good communities in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of fun stuff going on. Also, you can learn more about uh, the shows, uh, Ham College and Amateur Logic at amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. That's where you can find your show notes. Our friend Dan in 9LVS yep. does that for us. Yep. Thanks to him for doing that. He does a great job. It's much appreciated. Yep. And that's where we go when someone asks us, uh, when did y'all talk about this particular topic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's exactly where I go look because I can't remember all of them. No, me neither. And you would think we could, but, you know, we've only done... Well, a little over 100 shows, if you add them all together. Yeah, so. over, over almost 11 years. Yeah. You realize it's almost 11-year anniversary. Boy, that's coming up pretty soon, isn't it? Is it o- September or October? October. October, yeah. We'll have to come up with something special for that. We usually come up with something. Yeah, whether it's special or not, we'll have something. <laughs> <laughs> well, special has so many meanings. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Seven three, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again near the end of next month. Yep. Seventy three, everybody. Reactance modulator, I don't know what that even is. There, that may be a thing, but if it is, I don't know what it, it is. It is, but it's not an oscillator. No. Which is what, <laughs> never mind, yeah. I kind of screwed that up, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the human here can, did yeah. I say that? <laughs>